ASI, this is Attitudes of Sexual Integrity, Season 5, Episode 23. My friend Seth Taylor and I go into Part 2 of the show on codependency, the group scenario. And here's the big question. Can relationship addiction exist inside of a recovery group, for example? Or Bible study... Men's groups, women's groups, groups for unwed mothers, groups for those who design album covers, community groups, even 12-step groups. Is there an unhealthy element that can raise its uh, ugly head in these type of social situations? Uh, We're going to get into it today after this great bumper by the band Dorothy. This is called Medicine Man. Note to self, you're not a rapper, dude. Try not to rhyme your intros. Hey, you medicine man, set me free and change my ways. Hey, you give me a harder, give me a harder, what do you say? Hey, you medicine man, give me what I'm hiding for. Hey, you give me a harder, I can't live like So today, this is part two of our talk on codependency, uh, love addiction, how it applies to groups. So this is some kind of material that you and I were talking about, and over the years, I've been doing this for 10 years, you know, podcasting on the topic of sex addiction, and I've always told people, you know, and and I've done it in a way that's been like, yes, I want you to go to groups. I think groups are helpful. I think groups, community is important. But you have to be careful because not all groups are healthy. And I saw this in, in, in recovery from substance abuse. Mm. There's some people that lead AA groups that should not be doing it. They're just yeah. bullies. You know, they, they don't. That's a lot why a lot of these groups fail. Yeah. They're not letting the spirit lead. It is the, it is the reason groups fail. Yeah, leadership. Yeah, yeah leadership. Yeah. Exactly. So we were going to get into some of that because we're you know we were talking about how codependency uh, affects. A marriage or a relationship, yeah. boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, even single people and how they approach who they're attracted to, their partner, right? Yeah. So when it comes to groups, though, and this is a touchy subject, and Seth and I aren't professionals, but... You get paid mad bucks for that. What are you talking about? That makes you a pro. Right. I don't know how much you have a lot of experience in this area, and it's from a from a kind of a, a Christian sort of an evangelical perspective because that's where we that's, where, that's our roots. That's our roots. Yeah. That's right. It's where we grew up out out the garden. Yeah. So well, I mean now, but even now, like my pilgrimage, we have we have hundreds of guys in my pilgrimage groups. Right. So, and, right. And, and I'm even though I'm not running it, I still meet with the leaders, you know, or I meet with the head and, and we talk about, you know, yeah. what's going on and I we try to improve the problems and yeah. but every problem every single problem that's caused, every complaint we get, every struggle we have is because of poor leadership. Right. You know? So let's let's uh, talk about that. Maybe plug that a little bit for Triple X Church out there. So my pilgrimage yeah. groups. Yeah. And that is on Triple uh, X Church. Yeah, and well, Triple X Church has groups from lots of different kind of areas, but they have, yes. they have X three groups, uh-huh. um, which is much more of the traditional twelve step model. They have right accountability. Yeah, and then they have my pilgrimage groups, which are working through the material I created, working through the guidebook, um, the videos, that kind of stuff. But it's it's more about facilitating a sacred journey. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, at times they they they've got guys 
they, where they just transfer from one space to the other and try to adopt some new material, but they don't actually experience it. My pilgrimage, what we're trying to do, is something you can't understand or teach unless you've experienced unless it you've yourself. Experienced it, right. which, which, as most people would probably attest to, is the only way true wisdom is learned. And I mean, when someone hasn't had a sex addiction, for instance, and they're trying to teach someone that has, or when someone hasn't actually gone through to a place of freedom and they're trying to teach by way of mastering their own, their own pain and their own situation, it doesn't work out well. I think you get it, like what you referenced, you get a lot of people leading groups that they ain't ain't there yet, but they're almost there. And if I can teach it or I can write a book about it or I can do this, it's a way almost to escape having to continue to live the story. You know, it's like one of my mentors always said, don't write a book until you finish living it. Right. And most people try to be, lead groups when their story is not done yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've gotten to the point where I've had to go to the leadership in my pilgrimage at times and say, "Listen, unless this this has to this has to change, because we we can't keep we can't give leadership to people that aren't ready to lead." Right. You know, and and uh, fortunately they've been like, "Yeah, you're right." So they've they've moved into better spaces of better. So you have training. a new leader that's leading the whole. Group. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, Mr. Darren Hansen is the new leader of the My Pilgrimage. Well, he's the leader of all the groups, and he's going through that entire thing, and he's re- trying to revamp the way we do leadership training, and we do those kind of things. But the whole idea is, is that what the difference is? We don't want to create people dependent on groups. We want we want to we want a community where people come into this and they just simply learn from each other's journeys, and then they go out into their journey. I mean, we have to remember that the spiritual tradition. Okay, if we're walking in the way of Christ. Christ is a really good model for this, okay? right? Because Christ lived in a group. Yes. Right? He lived right. and moved in a group. He was a leader of that group, but that group was one of spiritual development. That's what discipleship was. Discipleship right. was. And they didn't look pretty on the outside either, did no. they? No, they, they were a ragtag, motley crew of the uh, deplorables, right? <laughs> well, and they were, they, were, they were working in a space of developing you know, spiritually by watching their leader and saying, I'm going to do what you do, because the leader had done the thing that needed to be yeah, done. He yeah. walked it, so we're going to follow you now. And and then, but and Jesus lived in this community, and he found he found a blessing in this community. And then when he, but he also understood that there was an isolative element to spiritual transformation. So the desert tradition was part of his life, like it was yeah. for any holy man. Right? He was right. going to go into the desert, be alone, work and break the ego, work into that space, confront the darkness. Right? Yeah. In that space within. And then come back in the community and allow what had been what had transpired to be a blessing in that space, and to and for that further movement to impact the group. Right. So that's it, at Luke it, four. That's also in the same uh, part of the Bible where Jesus says that you know te- what teacher you're you're going to say, teacher heal thyself, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Heal or heal thyself. Yeah. 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 And that's the idea. People, you know, I've had a lot of people criticize where because I'm talking about pilgrimage and pilgrimage was not something done in community. I mean, sometimes you'd have two or three pilgrims walk together, yeah. but if anyone got serious, like got really serious, they they went ended up alone. And they ended up walking. I mean, we're talking in the Buddhist tradition, in the Celtic tradition, Celtic Christian tradition. It's like you set out into the unknown and you 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 cut ties with all the things that made you safe, yeah. right? And you and that thing would drive you inward to where all the fear is, where all the darkness is, where all the pain is. That's the idea. And I've had people criticize me and say, "Well, this just seems very very selfish, very very selfish," yeah. because the church seems very invested in a kind of a religiously sanctioned codependency. Yeah. Right. You know. So we're going to move from our sex addictions to our love addictions to our group addictions now. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to meet. I had one guy I was talking. To, he's just like, well, you know, he's really struggling. He's like, yeah, but when I was back in L.A., I had, you know, I just had, you know, this always had a group of community, a community of guys around me that, you know, and he called them brothers. And, and I'm going, yeah. So you're in the desert now. You you don't see the movement here. It's responding to you. You're saying I want to be transformed. Uh-huh. The Spirit's doing what it's done with every person that's sought transformation, which means. Give you a little space to grow inside this embryo called a group, and now kick you out of the nest. Yeah. You know what I mean, that's the whole idea. You get kicked out of the nest, and you're screaming all the way down, but you're learning how to fly. And then when you've learned how to fly, you can enter back into a group space, and you can do the same thing with other people. You can yeah. actually. That's but, some of the good stuff that's in the twelve steps. Yeah, that's like step twelve. You enter back, you go back into that space. Right. But there is, I think, the groups, the twelve steps, kind of got hijacked by. And maybe it was money or people being, you know, opportunists or something. But it's, the twelve steps became like that church. Well, yeah. Me and me and a couple of friends, uh, my friend Derek and, and John, did a, 
a podcast where we were talking about the ego yeah. and Freud's how he got this from Plato's uh, the chariot, right? right. So w- w- what it seems like, you know, from from our experience with Mars Hill and just looking out there in the world at some of the dysfunction in the American church is that we've created the super ego mm. and then branded it, right? right? So we have our thing. That's why another thing that we were talking about this earlier about how it's tough to make it yeah. as an author or a publisher when you're talking about sexual addiction. And a lot of it has to do, I think, Seth, with a lot of churches have their own thing. Craig talked about this, too, when he was on the podcast, that we have our thing. And if you're going to bring your thing, you can't just bring your thing into our thing because I don't know if it matches or, you know, if it matches up with our branding. It's like, what? (laughs) That's not, that's sort of going into that codependency space. So when you think about it in codependency or those love addiction type of terms, it's it's just a fear of the other, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it's, it's it's one of those things where when you have addicts pretending not to be addicts, those defense mechanisms that are going to guard them from really having to feel their pain are still well equipped and ready to rock the second you approach. You know what I mean? Yeah. The second you start to approach them, because if you ask any one of those people that to, to, well, it's time for you to go into the desert, and they're going to freak out. You know what I mean? That's that, that, like, no. And that's why we use community, this word, this catchphrase now in the church, community. Well, we just really need community. Anytime I've ever told somebody, no, I had to go into the desert, they go, well, that just seems dangerous. You need to be in community. That seems dangerous. Yeah. Everyone, what about the life of Christ do you see as safe? Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. What part of his life do you look at and go, well, it's a good thing he was in community. Yeah. Like, that guy, that guy suffered in an isolated space even when he was in community because that's what the inward journey is. And he's, you know, he's doing the Passover and his disciples are arguing about who gets to sit at the right hand of God. He's just, you can see him just putting his head in his hands going, they don't get it because he's living... Yeah. How do we be varsity? Yeah. Well, he's living an internal pilgrimage. That's yeah. the idea. And what we're trying to do with my pilgrimage is we're like, you've got to go in, and it is going to be your path, and it is going to be unique, and you're going to feel alone and isolated, even when in community at times. But that's where we learn how to be in community, where we realize it was never about leaning on each other. Yeah. It was, that's the whole thing. I just need brothers to lean on. No, 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 no. You are going to learn how to stand on your own two feet, and they will be your witness for that experience. And that is true. That's what. That's the benefit of community. Is there's an anchoring. There's an element of witness. There's an element of beauty in that. But leaning on each other, yeah, I, I can see in time. It's a short term thing. It's a very short term yeah. thing, and it has an effect at times. But the problem is, it also has a vast. This is where the twelve step thing goes wrong. Is that people end up leaning to the point where it's like eventually you gotta go. Hey, wait, wait, wait. You gotta stop leaning at some point. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they're told, no, keep leaning. You know what I mean? Or alcohol is the devil, and you can, if you ever have a exactly. drink of alcohol, you're going to go off the deep right. end and get a hooker and, and right. run to Vegas. Like yeah. that's that's kind of what's taught, and I, I and, and not that you know. And here's the deal: I I, I used to really like smoking weed, Seth. Like yeah. that was one of my things yeah. when I was about 19. If he would have gave me a list of the 10 things, pleasures of this life that I really enjoyed, smoking weed would have been on that list. Mm. Now today, I don't smoke weed. Yeah. Right, and but I don't see it as well. If I have one hit off a joint, I'll just go off the deep end and turn into Cheech and Chong or something sure. like that. Yeah. But I just don't like the version of myself that I become when I'm on it. Sure. So I think that's the same. I think that's a healthier way to approach like alcoholism, for example, yeah. is to say that no, it's not going to tackle me down like a linebacker and destroy my life sure. because that's that's an idol, isn't it? Yeah, it's if just a flip, if you're still a flip living, side of an idol. Yeah, if you're living at the level of consciousness, Einstein said that no one, you can't solve a problem from the same level of consciousness that created the problem. Yeah. Right? So if, we, if we're living at this level of consciousness where we're, we're addicts, and then we transfer on a horizontal level, we just move sideways to another space where we control that problem, we're living at the same level of consciousness, it's not going to solve the problem, it's just going to suppress the problem. Right? right, and that's where so many people live in that space. That's why they become codependent in relationships. And they can go, well, yeah, but it's maybe alcoholism is more destructive than love addiction, perhaps. Right, but it still may make you miserable. Right, you know I mean, I got a, well, I a friend What's of mine. Al Anon. Yeah, Al Anon is the yeah. the that's the group that was created along with the twelve steps right. to address the codependency. Right. Because it, you know, the, the and now we got to do. I'm sure Alan will breed another group. You know, what I mean, we create, create all these groups to address them yeah. because we're just transferring from one prison to another, living at the same level of consciousness. Right, right, and that's the difference. When you see Jesus functioning and the way his disciples function, what you see is the difference in consciousness. Jesus is going, "How long must I put up with you?" Because you don't see it. 
Uh, you are being, and he's just trying to reveal something. He was always going, the kingdom of God is like this, and it's like this, and it's right here, and it's right here. And they're always going, why don't you just hit these people in between the eyes? And he's saying, because they wouldn't get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or why don't you like just you answer, go. here's another one. Answer the question like yes or no. Right. Jesus never did that. Right, right. Ever. It was always like, well, there was a donkey, and then there was a wine press, right. and like he would create yeah. these emotional word pictures. Because the level of consciousness he's living at, this yeah. idea that everything is black and white is silly. That's yeah. why you see people like Rob Bell gets interviewed, and... And everybody's like, he just won't answer the question straight up. I mean, what, what do you believe? And you, they don't understand. At that guy's level of consciousness, these questions don't make sense. Right. You're sitting there going, I mean, this is why Rumi, okay, Rumi, the Sufi poet, when he said, out beyond the ideas of right doing and wrongdoing, there's a field. And I'll meet you there. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorite quotes. He's going, your little black and white world of concrete answers is an egoically driven thing trying to control things. You lift up to a high enough level and you look down at the world and you go, oh, it's not that simple. Right. You know, it's not, it's not as simple as this or that. You know, this is right, this is wrong. Like, it's, you know, that's the thing. There's an unequal playing field in a sense. You yeah. can't answer questions like that. You know what I mean? But the problem is, like, the, what we do... But that's the, part of the codependency that can happen in groups, isn't right. it? Because there's a certainty addiction. Right. You get a leader with a certainty addiction. Mm-hmm. And he's got to know right and wrong, good and bad, or, you know. He's giving the concrete answers. I call people all the time on the My Pilgrimage Facebook group. We have this closed group, and, and all the time, I don't, I don't participate a ton, but I read a lot of it. Yeah. And anytime I see a leader step in with just hardcore concrete answers, we had this one time, I remember this guy was giving this deep existential questions. I mean, he's going, man, what about this? And I'm struggling with this. And somebody comes in and gives him five Bible verses and do this and do that. And here's what the truth is. And this is what your soul is. This is what your spirit is. This is how the thing Here's what you should believe. Yeah. And I just went, whoa. And I stepped right in and go, listen, like this, this, you, this guy just asked a really deep, really important question. And you're hitting him with all these concrete answers. This is not the truth. You know, you are not addressing, you are trying to resolve something because something inside of you cannot live with the fact that there is mystery and there is doubt and there is things and that is okay. Yeah. You know I mean? And, and we, we get into the groups and we need that concrete space. This is why the desert is so important. And the reason we called this my pilgrimage is what we were trying to call, we were looking at a whole world addicted to relationships and certainty. They're coming from sex addiction and substance addiction to love addiction and certainty addiction. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going, we have to actually, we have to push out into the mystery if we're ever going to find freedom from this, if we're ever going to discover a God that has any real power. You know yeah. what I mean? Because it's all so powerless. We are creating idols left and right and calling them Jesus and calling them the Bible and calling them God. And it is killing us, man. And yeah. it's why people are leaving the church like crazy because they're going, there's nothing here. There is nothing here. You've got constructed this strange God that doesn't fit. Yeah. And I'm talking to person after person after person after mm. person that's going, yeah, it just didn't work. And every time I, I interview somebody for my life coaching thing and I'm talking about it, one of my biggest questions is, are you comfortable confronting your belief systems? And questioning their whether they're real or not, yeah. and every one of them is like, "Oh yeah, that's why I'm talking to you, man." Yeah. <laughs> like, that's like, what's great about porn addiction right. to say that there's anything great about it. Right. This is what's great about yeah. it. What you believe isn't working. Mm-hmm. Your body is is totally in conflict with what your thoughts right. are doing, right. because your thoughts are going. I know this is wrong. I keep doing it. That's addiction. Right. You know, that's a compulsion. That's repeating the, the yeah. or, or how did uh, King Solomon put it um, like a dog returning to its throw up yeah you know? yeah that's exactly what it is man. Yeah. and we just keep doing it over and over again my dog right there sitting right there he just returns to his puke and his shit every day takes a shit eats it <laughs> that is what we're doing yeah. I just watch him I stop trying to stop him I just he comes in I give him an apple core to clean his teeth and then, you know, oh like, man but I'm like oh man you just you want to do that's your life and I get it you're a dog it's okay but for people to do it Eventually, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, you know, you start, have to almost face everybody the... I work with is in their late forties, early fifties, and they're going. Everything I've tried hasn't worked. My my midlife crisis started at thirty eight, and nothing's changed. Right. And here I am, and I've got twenty years left. And if I don't do something, I'm gonna. You know what I mean? Right. And I go, okay, well, let's let's jump into the unknown. And the greatest thing is, I find people discovering this freedom that oh, there's this mystery, and I can dive into it and swim in it the rest of my life. Yeah. yeah. Yes, you can. And there's power there, and there's yeah. peace, and there's love, and there's all these. Fruits you meet God world. there. Yeah, you really meet God yeah. for reals exactly. there. Exactly. No. Yeah. That's where faith comes alive. It's no longer this doctriney thing that you got out of a book. Right. You're you're experiencing it. Yeah. You know, you're living it. That's the beautiful thing about recovery. Yeah. Is is your it, you know. What was it like the twelve steps on the first step? You know, yeah. you, this is a you're going to have to plug into a a power that's bigger than yourself. Right. 
But then we, we also have to move beyond the existential idea of exactly. it and move it to the actual. Because I think that reality. was what I thought of when I when I got off drugs yeah. and and drinking myself unconscious. I very much believe I was plugged into a sort of existential construct right. that was evangelical and that I had picked the right God. And I even had pride over it. Right, sure. Like I was a card-carrying Republican conservative Christian pointing at other people going, why don't you get right, you yeah. know? Yeah. Because I did. Look at me. I pulled myself. Or I, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say I pulled, pulled my... Part of it was that. There was some of that arrogant ego in there. Yeah. But a lot of it was I picked the right Christian God. Sure, sure. Right? Yeah. USA, I would have been, a, I would have been a great Trump, Trump supporter. I would have been, a I, Trump would have been the, <laughs> I would have been all your alternative facts. <laughs> yes, I would have been. Oh man, I would have been the Trump supporter mm. of the year back then. But yeah. then, here I am dealing with a porn thing. Yeah. And then my wife caught me with a porn, yeah. and then she caught me again, and then for the third time, yeah. she caught me, and she was about out. I, I, I'm, I think I'm out. Yeah. And, but I think maybe I don't know. She sensed this or what? But it wasn't just porn at that time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was actually doing really horrible shit, and I knew that I needed help. Yeah. But I had to. That was a hard part too, because I had to, Seth, disconnect from that God I grew up with. Mm -hmm. I had to face that scary place of, okay, what if this Jesus scenario that I was taught since I was a child isn't true? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that's when these guys at the, the AC3 Church really there were patient they they asked questions instead of trying to answer them yeah. right yeah. they would take my questions i was asking and ask take another question to get me a little deeper yeah and that's one thing that i think we hit it off on when i first met you is we both see the world in layers yeah it's so important that groups deal with some of this stuff because i think we seth and i both believe in groups you you do a group right Mm -hmm. that, that, and they charge money. Like Triple X Church, those groups yeah. aren't free. No, they're not. No. Yeah. yeah not. I'm actually not leading a group now. I was going to, but we right. made some changes because the idea was I'm like, what can I do to affect everybody? And so what I'm trying to organize is where I can lead the leaders. Right. We found that's a little more effective way. But yeah, it's it's part of the My Pilgrimage program. You don't have to buy the whole thing to get in the groups, but it's like 10 bucks a session. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important because, like Craig yeah. said, you have some skin in the game. Right. Yeah. I yeah. think it's incredibly important. Yeah. 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 But it's. It's one of those things, and a lot of guys have found it really, really helpful. No. Again, again, I think that without without a lot, an interior life and an interior spiritual practice where you're going inward, I think it's a pretty. You're going to find a little bit of help, but not a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm I'm a believer that that groups are a, a place where we can touch base and reflect on the experiences we're having, but the primary transformational experience is one in your own spiritual practice. Right. But there's something about good uh, using good peer pressure, right? So peer pressure can get us into addiction. It can also get us. It can motivate us. Well, I wouldn't use that term. I wouldn't use peer pressure. I would say that, that it's nice to get a, somebody to go, "Hey, come on, man, you can do it." Yeah, yeah. You Motivation know? is sort of like it's sort of like a cleansing, isn't it? Right. But it can't be motivating towards a moral thing. I think it's motive. If, right. For like the way I think about it, if it's motivation towards spiritual practice of transformation, yes. Yeah. So like what? what so that's now we're getting into the what's healthy versus unhealthy. Right. This is healthy group. Yeah. Unhealthy group. Exactly. Is, if, yeah. if if somebody's telling me you can do it, man, you can go a week without looking at porn. That is not helpful. All right. Because that is built off of the premise that there's a God that's going to be pissed at me if I don't look at porn or that the only so that the solution I'm actually looking for is to quote-unquote stop looking at porn. That's not what I want. I want wholeness. I want healing. I want transformation. I want love to be the primary baseline of my life. And if that means – that means there's spiritual practices that I have to engage in. So if I walk into a group and, and every guy out there is going, man, I'm doing this spiritual practice. I'm doing this deep processing. I'm doing this work. And I'm the only guy that doesn't seem to want to do it. I can go, I'm having a hard time doing it. And everybody's going, here, this is what I'm trying. This is the resistance yeah. I'm running into. Here's what you can do. Yeah. That type of so it's not pressure. Yeah, it's not it's pressure. It's kind of like, hey, come on. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a sense of, it's, it's, it's camaraderie. It's teamwork. Yeah. It's one of those things where you got a whole team going, dude, come on, bro. We, we're training. You train. We can, get you, we can all train together. We can work on this. Right. It's like there's no peer pressure in seeing a really good movie. Yeah. And then asking, hey, you got to see this movie, right? right. It's not peer pressure. It's yeah. just, this is cool. Well, especially when there's no judgment, when somebody goes, yeah. hey, it's your choice. You can do it if you want to. Yeah. But there's no judgment over the fact that you didn't. Yeah. Like I, I sit with guys, like when my coaching clients, when I when I get together, you know, I have practice. You're going to do this every day. 
and it's not big. I give them a 10, 15 minute little spiritual practice to do every day. So that you're going to come back to me with experiences now. To, to we, and if, you know, if I get in, I go, hey, did you do it this week? And they go, I had a guy the other day. He's like, no, I didn't do it at all. And, you know, I just didn't have time. I go, okay, well, I'm going to call bullshit on you for a second. I go, it's 10 minutes a day. Yeah. You had time. So, so let's talk. And I said, no, no judgment whatsoever. But the greatest thing is now we can look at why didn't we do it? I said, the reason I made it a 10-minute practice is so you couldn't bullshit your way out of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that you had to honestly look at it and go, yeah, why didn't I do it? Yeah. And now we're working. You know what I mean? Yeah. No condemnation. We're working. There's a question there. Why couldn't I give it 10 minutes a day? Okay, now we can go into it. And if you did give it 10 minutes a day, okay, well, what happened? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's why it has to be our practice. That's why the mystics seem to be the only ones that ever made any actual headway spiritually because they were working and they they said that the wisdom will come from the experience as opposed to the book yeah you know i mean and i realized i wrote a book okay but i and i read books i just <laughs> don't expect the primary wisdom that i'm that i gain to be from those books you don't make the book a functional savior no yeah. i read to, i read for the purpose of finding language yeah. but i but i'm well aware now that the spirit has all the wisdom i need if i can actually tap into that yeah you know I mean? and that's what we do kind of as communicators yeah we're trying to communicate something so yeah. that people understand right language yeah. is important yeah. you know, I'm and part of that's warning people against unhealthy tactics that can happen in, in sure. relationships and in groups because sure. for some guys seth i i sent uh you an article when we were talking about doing this show um there's a new york times article there's another article recently too uh, over the summer that came out, they said most men don't have close friends. Mm. You know, we talked about that a little bit in the last episode with a bromance. Like that word bromance yeah. is because it's unusual to see two men having a, a, a friendship today. Right. So we've come up with this weird word yeah. because it, you know, I don't know how how do we get here. So then, yeah. then you take a guy who you know has some kind of a life altering thing like sexual compulsion yeah. and you put him in a group and and it's reasonable for that guy to have some unhealthy attachments mm-hmm. because they, they see the people yeah. who are leading these groups that may be unhealthy and that's why we're pulling some of this stuff out yeah. so you can sniff them out but then there's the breakup point just like we talked about last episode mm-hmm. where you're confronting these leaders and you're you may have to sever the relationship sure. you yeah. know yeah. Or what it was before. Right. Here's the relationship now. I uh, I don't know if I agree with what you're saying. Right. And if that guy's gonna should on you, right. <laughs> use that yeah. term. Yeah. You know, then you know that maybe it's time to find a different group. Right. Well, and there's something different required of leaders, right? You know, and that's the thing. Like yeah. in, inside of a group, I had a guy get a hold of me on Facebook, said, "Hey, in my my pilgrimage group, the leader keeps saying pretty much the opposite of what the material says and what you say and." I, I kind of signed up to be able to learn this stream of thought, you know, and I, and the, you know, some of the, sometimes the response I get from leadership in triple X church is like, well, you know, everybody kind of does this differently. And I go, Oh, hold on, hold on. I don't need the guys that come into these groups to agree or believe what I believe or anything like that. But the leaders, if we're going to advertise, this is the material that we're working through, then the leaders have to at least have an understanding of it yeah. and agree with it at some level or else we're just, I mean, that's why theology is actually important. You know yeah. I mean? Because theology provides a paradigm for how we move into life, into God, into pain. It's really important. And they're always telling me all the time, I get this all the time, like, well, let's try to stay off of the theology and, and really, you know, it's unavoidable if we're going to do any actual work. Yeah. If we're just going to sit around and confess our sins to each other and pretend that that's not a theological paradigm, then we are fooling ourselves. <laughs> but if we are going to actually work into this, part of it is confronting the, that theology. And in groups is a space to do that. But the leaders have to ha- be the ones setting the goal and the, the role for this is the paradigm we're working through yeah. and let people run up against it. I like how what that John Philip Newell said about flow. Like yeah. another word for theology could right. be flow. Right. And yeah. if they're flowing into, you know, a different yeah. should and ought to kind of space. Right. When he's referring to, when he talks about f- the flow, right. he's referring specifically to the movement of spirit. Right, and then our goal, our hope, and our goal in any group is that we tune into that, yeah, yeah. and that everybody goes, man, you know, surely God was here, and we just weren't aware, man. You know what I mean? There's this idea we're in that when I'm there, and then we have this baseline of coming back and going, these are, you know, where two or more are gathered. Yeah, there am I also in the midst. That and that's in the reason, context of, of of correction and repentance right. and 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 conflict resolution, sure. which is great because that's yeah. what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But those those should be spaces where we're confronting each other with truth. Not in it's not not a moral truth. Right. Hey man, get your shit together. It should be a, a truth of you are asking us to parent you right now. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You ever, I mean, I sat in a pub the other day with about 10 people. We're all around the table. I got the opportunity to see Peter Rollins speak you know, right. for a day. And it was amazing. And, and then everybody's at a pub afterwards. There's about 10 of us around the table, pizza at the table. And it was interesting because essentially it became a group space. And we're revolving around this question about how, does people, how do people change, right? And you could see people at the table. And most people weren't oriented in a way where they could step in and, and find safety in their thoughts and feelings because some people were very insecure. Well, there's one guy at the table who was clearly just trying to get, he was just wanted to appear smart to everybody and get his stuff out there and be affirmed. And everybody's coming and coming to this different space. Well, the hope is that when you're in a group like that, eventually it just becomes a deep space of honesty, openness, healing, but we're not leaning on each other. If someone starts yeah. leaning hard on my shoulder, I, I, I just go, dude, you need to get on your own two feet, man. Yeah. I'm here for you, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna carry you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what codependency is. Here's your. Yeah. Here's my bags. Will you carry them? I've home? said that to listeners too. I'll be. I'll be empathetic, but I'm not gonna be sympathetic. Right. If you're looking for sympathy from me, yeah. You know, uh, I'm not trying to be crass or mean. Yeah. I'll give you empathy, but I. I, I won't give you sympathy. Right. I get, and I get people contact. I'll have me. sympathy for your wife who yeah. you're banging the secretary. Like, right. <laughs> and that sounds mean too. And I've lost some sure. people. Well, I get guys that. that are banging their secretaries, and I don't. I don't. I don't judge them either way. I just go, okay, well, let's talk about what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Me too. But, but, I, but they want some kind of, or there's there's some of this in, in going into codependency too, and this can raise its head in groups as well, where the, the, the partner becomes the scapegoat. Sure. Oh, yeah. And if they're, and that's where they're just coming looking for permission or an affirmation. Yeah. Like if, they, if somebody comes to me with that, I just go, listen, I, and I just call it out. You're, you're looking for me to affirm something I'm not capable of affirming because this is... You know, I, I had a guy sit down with me. He's like, hey, really thank, appreciate you meeting with me. And he starts telling me. I mean, he goes on a 20-minute rant about everything he knows and everything. He, and I sat there and I finally go, that's a nice story you're telling yourself. And he just goes, what? And I go, this whole story about how you've kind of got it all under control and you know everything. I'm curious why you wanted to meet with me. Uh. And he just goes, well, <laughs> do that. That's kind of harsh. And I go. What did you want? What did you expect? Did you expect me to come in here and just tell you that you're right? I mean, I, you know, if yeah. you came looking for an echo chamber, I'm not that guy, you know. But but I'm not. But I'm also not judging you. It's not. What I'm talking about right and wrong here. What you what you're doing is looking for permission or affirmation because you're deeply afraid of actually stepping into the unknown. Now let's talk about what that looks like. And I just started reflecting on all my journey about my egoic bullshit. You yeah. know, what I mean? yeah. but that was just kind of doing the whole, you know, don't bullshit a bullshitter. You know, yeah. Kind of thing. yeah, exactly. You know, it's not a. I understand the ego and the, the garbage that it likes to come up with, but it's just looking for affirmation. Tell me I'm okay. Tell me I'm right. Tell me I'm valuable. Tell me I'm good. We're all searching for unconditional love, man. Yeah, yeah everybody's yeah. trying to search for that thing that they came into this world feeling entitled to. And we have to move yeah. through the obstacles that are in front of it. Right. And those are the things that are yeah. scary parts. Those are yeah. the scary parts that we don't want to confront. Yeah. Well, and we have to find it within ourselves. So if we're going into yeah. a group looking to be affirmed or loved because we're, a little, we're, we're still a wounded child searching for a parent, it's not going to be very good for us. Yeah. But if we can go into that and then people around us can see that and identify it. I mean, I had a guy come up to me one time and within five minutes of meeting the guy, we're yelling at each other because I'm going, bro, hey, <laughs> did you want, did you want, you're the one that called me. You wanted to talk to me, man. But he's just like, the second I said, I, I think you're on the wrong track here. He just freaked out because he was looking for one thing, affirmation, tell me I'm okay, be my daddy. And uh -huh. I'm going, I ain't your fucking father. Yeah. I said that to him. I'm not your dad. Yeah. I'm not sure what you were looking for, but it ain't, you're not going to get that here, man. Yeah. You know I mean? What we need to become is men, adults, but yeah. we are searching for, to be parented. That's why the group thing goes so wrong sometimes because we walk in there as wounded children going, parent me, affirm me. Yeah. And there's always people that are doing that, you know, but it's, it's tough. And I was that guy. Yeah. I was that guy big time, man. Like I played the savior role. I'm going to come in here and show everybody how smart I am and how, how kind I am and how loving I am. And they're all going to go, oh, man, it's so great having Seth in this group. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember I did I did group therapy that way one time, man, and it was I did it at my school. Seattle School of Theology and Psychology is a place where you get your ass kicked for that kind of stuff. Right. So if you step up in a Dan Allender class, if you're in a Dan Allender class and you stand up and your ego is driving you to sound smart and be affirmed, he <laughs> will crush you right. right in front of everybody. Right. I I watch people stand up in front of a class of 90 people and start talking very intelligently and and offering some sort of feedback to what Allender was lecturing. And I watched Allender just sense the, sense the thing and then just cut him down. But he did it because he knows this is what this guy needs. Yeah. Allender doesn't do anything that's not intentional. Yeah. And like, whoa. And everybody's like, and you could see the guy just going, 
sit down. And Allender knows that he's going to go now into his practicum therapy groups and his three other types of therapy he has to do to be in that school. Right. <laughs> and, and he's going to have to work through all that pain, and Allender doesn't feel the need to caretake him. But it's one of those things where we do that in our groups all the time. We step in, affirm me, help me feel like I'm okay, when what we need is to be able to unravel in that space and have people go, we cannot give you what you're seeking. Yeah. You must find it within yourself. It, it, I love it, White Raven, we talk about it. It's not just coming to a place where we realize we're loved. And this is the biggest thing. People are going in a group and their hope is that I realize finally that God loves me. We, at White Raven, they're saying, we want to come to the place where we know that we are love. All right. We are made by love. We are love. We are love's offspring. Therefore, it is us. The entire Imago Dei, the image of yeah. God, is that we, if God is love and we are made of God, not by God, like Teresa of Avila says, right? right? We are love. And that is a much deeper, much more thing. But you can't come to that space by expecting people to just tell you enough times that you're okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's why, you know, in these groups, we always tell people, don't try to save anybody. Yeah. Now that's, and that's what makes for, and we can get into it, that's what makes for a healthy marriage. When we were talking about codependence, a healthy marriage is two people standing on their own, witnessing each other. Yeah. Witnessing the other person's journey, not leaning like a freaking house of cards on each other. You know? I was there was a guy, uh, Jim James Noriega, at, at Mars Hill, where we did grace groups there, and he he was good at when I first started going there. Like there was heroin addicts and porn addicts all in these groups, yeah. and one of the things he I saw him do this, and I thought it was mean at yeah. first because I saw him look like like look at a heroin addict and just go, "Why are you here?" It's like, you know, you, you keep trying to, you know, affirm yourself and yeah. trying to justify right. why you're right and, yeah. and everyone else is wrong and you're living on the streets doing heroin. Yeah. He's like, you need to go. Right. And I thought, <laughs> that's so mean. Yeah. But then it took a while to come out and go, yeah, he's right. Yeah. Like, you can't make someone yeah. want to heal. This is like a pilgrimage, right? Yeah. You can't make someone, you can't push someone down the road. Yeah. They really have to want. Totally. It's like old thing with old joke with psychotherapists, right? How many psychotherapists does it take to change a light bulb? Only one, but the light bulb really has to want to change. <laughs> Dude, I, I remember. I think I don't know if I wrote about this or not, but me and I had a buddy, and for years, him and I, you know, we both him and I had the gift of teaching. Uh-huh. Both him and I had this gift. We were, we were leaders and we're teachers, and we had this dream of we were gonna write best-selling books and we were going to stand on that stage and we were going to teach people and we were going to change the world and we would talk about it for years and years and years. I remember when I finally went, we are so full of shit. We're so full of shit, man. Like, if aliens came down right now to try to figure out what we actually believe and just observed our lives, they wouldn't come up with, those guys really believe you know, that they're going to do this, 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 and this. What they would, they believe that we really think movies are important, that if we just yelled at our wives louder, we, they, you know, they, they would work. <laughs> you know, they, they would go, that's not, it's pretty clear what they believe because it's their actions. And I'm going, we're yeah. so full of shit, man. And that was that coming to that kind of breaking point of going, oh, I've been tr- rehearsing this over and over and over again to try to affirm this thing. And it's been this egoic thing, that, a fantasy that I've created in order to not have to go into the fear yeah. that I'll never be anything. I'll never make it. I'll never provide for my family. I'll never have a career. I'll never have an influence. I'll never be anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and we just had to get to that point where I'm like, fuck this, man. But it was very much, I'm going to move now into the pain. Yeah. That is not something, we, we, we do it, we have to do it internally. It is something we go into ourselves on our own with all the things that spirit has available to it, to witness it, even in spirit. That's why Jesus said, your faith has made you well. He was a part of the process. He was not the process. And we go, no, it was all about Jesus. No, it wasn't. He said it's all about us. And he's a witness. So people become the witness. And if people are sitting there right now, even listening to this, and they're clinging to that, I need this. You've got to open those fists, let go, and say, you are on your own. Move into it. Into the darkness. One of my my clients, I'm going to tell this story, had a really interesting story the other day. I, I... about how his life used to be very, very neat and orderly, and now for some reason it's just chaos. And I asked him, I said, what's it like when you go home from work at night? You know, he's a single guy. What's it like? He goes, it's chaos. It's chaos everywhere. I go, what do you do? And he goes, ah, I just grab some food. I go watch some TV. I go to sleep. And I said, we have to move into the chaos, so here's what we're going to do. You know, when you get home tonight, I want you to go, and I want you to find... I said, what's the messiest room? And he goes, my living room. It's just shit everywhere. I go, I want you to go and lay down in the middle of it, Right in the middle of the messiest place. Don't move anything. Lay right on top of the paper and the boxes. Just lay right on top of it. Uh-huh. And then you're going to start breathing. 
and you're going to feel the chaos, you know, and we just move in and he's just like, oh my God. And I'm like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And he's like, okay, I'm going to do it. Because that's, that's the whole idea. That's not something you can do in a group. Yeah. Now you could go the next day in a group and go, here's what I did and here's how I'm feeling and here's what I'm experiencing. Yeah. And you could sit there and go, man, that's amazing, bro. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah, exactly. that's wonderful. And we that's the beauty of groups is the me too. Right. right. You know, what, that, what? And that's the real gift. Yeah. But the gift is if I come into this, I need this group. If you need that group, then you got bigger problems. You know? yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Seth, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for man. doing Thank this, you. man. Thank you. And I enjoy these conversations. I really do. Yeah? I really do. Yeah, I, me I, too. Man. I spend most of my time with a three-year-old and a four-year-old. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> so this is really great. You yeah. know, it's a little outlet for me, so yeah. I appreciate it. Well, I mean, I... I you get a little lot from them, though. Yeah. Well, I have my life. I have my life coaching stuff. Well, I do. I learn from because they trigger the hell out of me. Now. Right. And I'm doing this deep work all the time. I know? love that story where Jesus right. takes the five year old and and they're all asking, "Who could be varsity of the kingdom of God?" He grabbed mm-hmm. a little kid. He was here. This is what you do. That's right. We must return. Like he was basically saying, we have to. I think he was really talking about us how we carry these wounded children within us. We have to return to that space, heal the child, yeah. and then the man rises. That's right. You know, so. Speaking of groups, I heard a story real quick. We'll end this. I heard a story. A woman who was a uh, hundred pounds soaking wet. She was a psych grad, right? She would go into groups with addicts, like mm-hmm. like heroin addicts, like you know, NA. AA, I mean, in in just, you know, like a volunteer yeah. in the basement of a church somewhere. And people would ask her, uh, aren't you scared? Some of these people are scary, you know, a uh, young woman. And she says, no, I'm not scared because when I just sit down and I see them all as children, I just see a little bunch of five-year-olds sitting yeah. around me. Because yeah. that's who we are emotionally. Yeah. When we have all this stuff in our heads, you yeah. know, when yeah. we try and reason... Yeah. We try and, you know, justify. Yeah. But emotionally we're all we don't really age emotionally. This is what, well, this is why we're so jacked up, is we have a bunch of kids trying to live adult lives. Yeah. So yeah. I was telling the guys, like the reason your apartment is messy is because this is pretty much how a three year old would do this. Yeah. <laughs> I had a guy show me on FaceTime, show me his whole room, it's just chaos. I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds about right, you know, a three year old would Given that what you have to organize is how my daughter would organize your room, right? <laughs> you know I mean? like, right. That's how her room was organized. That's you right. Know? So that's that's why, man. That's why we want to. We have to go back to those spaces, heal those parts of us, so we can become that's adults right. living adult lives. Yeah. And just breathe the hell out of yourself every day and feel the relationship, like feel how it triggers you. Right. That's why I'm like, man, just dive right in. But I realize that's not everybody's bag, you know. Right, sure. right. <laughs> Some yeah. people are a lot more. I have a friend of mine who just cautiously walks towards healing, and it's great. Sets one intention at a time, and I'm like, ah, fuck it, man. I'm ready to jump off the cliff, and I want to change the whole world, you know? That's and right. It's be careful what you ask for, so. That's right. <laughs> Amen. Very true. Get it, get it, get into it. That's yeah. the that's the thing. I guess the the big takeaway that you could take from this is yeah, is be aware. Yeah. Watch for the uh, the self justifiers. Watch right. for the certainty addicts. Yeah. And learn to walk with other people. Yeah. On your journey. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Won't you change my ways? Hey, it's me, Russ, ending out this show. ASI247.org is the website for this podcast. Again, this is a listener-supported podcast. If you could do anything to uh, help put some gas in the tank to keep these episodes going, I'd appreciate it. Again, ASI247.org. And again, if you have iTunes or Spotify, check out that band, Dorothy. Carrie Fisher passed away recently, and her story is one of those stories that touched my heart personally. Daughter of celebrities, right? Grew up in sort of American royalty, right? We don't have princes and princesses here or kings and queens, but celebrities are very much like royalty in my country. She um, had a jacked up story. Just because you have the wealth of material things around you doesn't mean that there can be a poverty in relationships that can do a lot of damage on the inside.
to, to a kid. And she did have her own fame playing Princess Leia in the Star Wars franchise of movies that were extremely successful and still go on today. Beautiful, great woman. I actually tried to get her on this podcast, uh, exchanged an email with her people. She was doing some speaking events in the Seattle area. And I'm like, hey, if she's in town, I'd love to, to have a conversation with Carrie Fisher about her book and her life. I didn't get anything back, but it would have been cool to to interview Carrie Fisher because she, in the recovery community, her story is amazing. Um, One of the things, the quotes of hers, is take your broken heart and turn it into art. And that's what I see in, in bands like Dorothy there, some of these bluesy rock bands that a lot of the beautiful people will love to judge, right? That's what we do. We take some of this brokenness that's in our story and we, we do turn it into art. That's what's happening, right? Um, and that takes courage, that's one of the themes of this season of shows is turn that compulsion, that compulsive, addictive energy in you into creativity. And some of that takes courage. And I think groups are a great place to practice opening that vulnerable heart of yours to the public. That lyric in that song, hey, hey, what do you say, you know, set me free, help me out here, Um, this sort of fiending kind of thing going on that I didn't have that. I've I've experienced people in recovery groups that have had that, and I'm not judging them, you know, but there's something going on there, right? For me, and I wanted to encourage, for me it was very difficult to pick up that phone, right? My, my my phone felt very heavy when I had to pick it up and actually call for help and actually admit that I don't have everything figured out and that I'm not really okay like I was telling everybody I was. It was me putting down my own pride and ego on the altar, furiously drifting around this whirlpool in this haunted sea, I had to finally decide on a different destination, a different journey. I had to look someone else in the eyes and say, where, where do I start? Like, Give me a, an idea of, of this direction of this pilgrimage and saying, where do I start? You know, like I obviously, my ego kept saying, we got this, we got this. And it didn't kept failing my soul and spirit every time. And it was so refreshing to walk into a place when you don't feel like you fit in. Right. Especially in a lot of evangelical church situations, you know, you feel me? I just never felt like I fit in with those folks. And then you walk into a group of people who also feel like they never fit in either. And you fit in with that, right? Like, wow, we have that in common. Those are people I felt like I could walk with authentically without having to cover up my wounds and scars you know having brothers walk alongside you or sisters having folks with a me too attitude having people who will empathize with you who will be your cheerleader in a in a way right not that they're trying they're going to save you they're not having that fiending hey hey what do you say energy but having folks that will walk with you and walk. I mean, that's just it. Let walk with me. I think that's important. And I encourage you guys to get out there, get some help in groups. I've always done eye to eye, face to face groups for me, but the technology today is getting to where you can do Skype and you're seeing people's faces and there's something to that. Um, I'm not going to judge it because I've never been involved in one. But I've been kicking around the idea of being a leader for Triple X Church just because of what Seth said in that interview part of it, right? Like, here's a a group of guys and the leadership is willing to say, yeah, 
we need to change. We need to serve the people that are coming to us looking for help. And that is a really good sign when it comes to seeing a group that's not codependent on its own being full of its system, right? Well, we have our systematic way of doing things, and Seth is like a little different, right? We're going to approach this from a different angle, and, and these guys are willing to learn, and that's great. That's encouraging. Triple X Church has some, some great groups going on, and I really do um, admire Seth and his work and my pilgrimage because with my pilgrimage's work, part of my story is this, you know, you can get free from pornography. You can get free from alcoholism. I was a meth addict, all right? I, I did cocaine, crack cocaine, very addictive. I free-based heroin, all right? Street heroin. I, that, that, I didn't like that as much. I was more of an upper guy. But I've overcome some very sticky addictions in my life. But just overcoming the the behavior to the thing, right? And your relationship to that thing, whatever it is, doesn't necessarily make you free. All right. Something Seth said in his book that intrigued me is that, you know what? You take care of you and you heal yourself and you sync up with God and spirit and Jesus in your own way, right? Your your own come to Jesus kind of way, your own healing pilgrimage and journey. You do that and this other stuff will take care of itself. And there's a lot of truth in that. So I don't want to make this a commercial for my pilgrimage groups, but I do believe in what he's doing, and uh, I think the folks at Triple X Church over there are doing it. Sounds like they're doing a pretty good job. So, but whatever you do, even an AA group in your community, some of this face-to-face, eye-to-eye relationships with people that are in your city or your town, I think, are important too. You're going to an AA group and just you know bringing sex into the thing right these guys are talking about alcohol and you're struggling with something else that's uh, Nate Larkin's story uh, Samson and the Pirate Monks uh, I love Nate and, and his story that's important that we at least get a band of brothers or sisters or community around you just to walk just to walk with you I love you guys I mean that sincerely Until next time, bye.